We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with Greg Smith and Jay Foreman. Tell it to me straight up. Hello and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith, your it's a new month, so everything is upside down, it feels like, but it's back to the same grind, friends. I am Jay Foreman, as you can tell, like I am the, I guess I would say I'm the bootleg Doc Rivers because uh, youth bas- basketball is still over and I've officially uh, lost my voice. <laughs> now, is it where you get on the kids, getting on parents, or getting on the refs? Uh, no, I never get on the parents. Uh, wasn't really getting on the refs or the kids. It was, uh, it, it was a big, big, big tournament. So it was really, really loud. And when you, you know, I coach with a mask on, uh, yeah, and everybody out there mask up. Uh, I, when I coach with a mask on, you know, you you know, you got it's actually you got to yell just to get just regular conversations going with you know tons and tons of not tons and tons of people. I'm not trying to you know get, but you know, in your big gyms and you know, you, people can't hear you. So that's all it was. Uh, and my voice is officially gone. Okay, all right. So we got we got you on your dog rivers. After this, we're gonna get you on some tea, um, a little mix vapor rub. Maybe some tussing if it get too bad. You know, you know how we feel about tussing in these parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get that going. All right, so we get into it here. So each week we have a couple of segments that are mainstays of the show. We longtime listeners of the program know. Um, the first one is called Coach Speak, where we go over something that a coach, player, or talking head said, and we give you the straight up breakdown of what they said. Coach Speak to Real Talk. Now this week it comes courtesy of Russell Wilson's agent, Mark Rogers. Um, who after you saw all of the different reports of Russell Wilson does want to trade, Russell Wilson doesn't want to trade, Seattle might trade him, they might not. Um, but Mark Rogers, uh, Russell Wilson's agent, said this to Adam Schefter in a quick statement. And he said that he told the Seahawks that he wants to play in Seattle, but if a trade were considered, the only teams he would go to are the Dallas Cowboys, the New Orleans Saints, the Las Vegas Raiders, which is still weird to say, and my, the great Chicago Bears. <laughs> so, hey, what did he really mean when he said that? He meant uh, what he really means is, uh, you know, you got to excuse the voice, is that Russell's ready to be up out of here. Um, but these are the only four teams that you guys can continue to pay me at this premium price, but I want you to trade Russell so he can go get more money somewhere else. And here's the funny thing here's the analogy I would have it's like you're married, you're in a relationship. And you're like, okay, well, uh, I know that, you know, we're married, but you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with being here since, you know, I'm okay with you being my wife, but I got four other ones that I think that's, uh, 
once this ends, I got four lined up over here. And these are the only four girls or guys that, you know, the, the partner would leave for. It's, uh, it's because, you know, this, this situation is a little different. And this has probably been brewing for a little while because the amount of hits that he's been taking. And some of it has been on his own fault because he holds the ball so long to get guys open. Right. Is that, you know, very rarely do you see an agent leak uh, specific names on the record to a, you know, Adam, I think it was Adam Schefter. I mean, that's yeah, very sure. rarely happens. So, you know, this is a, this has some teeth to it. And then I don't know whether it was inspired by the Deshaun Watson thing or the Stafford trade or it's just that they felt like it's time. And sometimes even though they have, you know, DK Metcalf and, and have always been really competitive of being in the, um, you know, the playoff picture, you know, the, you know, the defense was not very good this year, not what it was. Uh, not a really established, you know, really good physical running game. The offensive line, besides Dwayne Brown, is 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 porous at best. So he's probably and not just at this year, but you know, another two years, and then that's when Seattle might want to pull the plug on them. So, you know, he's trying. You know, he's actually doing business wise uh, on the field. First of all, is, is being smart. You know, he kind of actually taking the New England Patriots um, approach, but just from a player perspective leave before they cut you. Then number two, all the markets that he's talking about going to is going to help his brand, you know, and Russell, you know, look, ever since he's been in the league, uh, his brand has grown, you know, you know, exponentially. Um, maybe it's hit, hit his peak in Seattle. Um, I'm sure his wife would like to be in a big, you know, city more often, you know, and like that. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I think if, if I'm Seattle and I'm, inspired and maybe like, oh, we'll keep him for another year. We'll cut him next year or in a year or two. I'll do it right now while he's still in his prime. He's 32 years old. Uh, he's been playing nine years of excellent football. Um, and, you know, he's not slowing down. So this is – and even if you think he's not as good as he has been or, you know, had been, that's not your problem. You want to try to get the most bang for your buck, and this is probably the time to do it considering that you got – the Chicago Bears that has assets to do it, even if you threw the Dolphins in there, the Jets, or, or you're not the Dolphins, the Jets, but, you know, the teams that you talked about with the Raiders as well, uh, because you could actually do a swap for Carr and Wilson and end up doing pretty well. And that's the thing that I think is kind of what's becoming interesting to me about these kind of quarterback situations in the NFL is that, okay, I, I, and I'm with you. I don't know if it's, you know, Deshaun Watson getting out in front of this early and saying, hey, man, I want out of here, or it's the Matt Stafford trade. Maybe there's been a, another one or two that have happened here recently. Um, but I, I do think that somehow, and this, I don't think that this will trickle down to like every position group in the NFL. Like I really think this is going to be specific to quarterback, but quarterbacks are looking around and saying, Hey man, I want to get into a better situation. You saw Aaron Rodgers dangle that carrot out there after the season, which we talked about that for almost a whole show, um, because that would be super interesting to see if something happens there. It seems like that's quieted down a little bit, but it feels like quarterbacks realizing that they're in the power position in the league and there's only so many of them and right there's only like 16 actual good ones um and so they're in the but that also makes that difficult right for these trades because i'm with you 100 percent. if i'm the seahawks while i would i would not close the door on trading him because at some point you're gonna have to restart 
right? Like you're going to have to, like you're getting towards the end of this window with this coach and quarterback. So maybe it's a new way forward to go ahead and move him. But even with that being said, I don't want to move him for just draft picks if I'm Seattle, because I also want to still be competitive. Right. Well, see, here's the thing. You got to like the windows closing. And then when you have to restart, if you kept Russell Wilson, say for like another three or four years, when you restart, and it might even be before uh, three or four years, then you got to resign him to top dollar. And then he's three or four more years, you know, older. And you can't, you know, obviously, unless you're Tom Brady and other guys, you can play forever, which I think actually guys like Russell Wilson, the Drew Breeses, and all those guys that actually know how to play the position of quarterback can play a lot longer. But you get what I'm right. saying. Then you you're, you're, then you have to, when you restart in the NFL, it's, it's cap space, it's roster purging, and you got to deal with a few years of, of losing. And why would, I mean, you know, then you got to pay extra for a superstar like Russell Wilson to stay there and get their head beat in. When actuality, the best thing that they would want to do, um, or in all actuality, sorry, is that they want to have a younger quarterback to kind of learn and deal with that. So this might be the time. I wouldn't close the door on it. I would really have to look at the roster and see what we could do in the draft and obviously free agency, which is not much considering that they're, you know, what their cap is like. Um, right. And the, 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 the appeal of going up to Seattle as well. Um, you know, I wouldn't close the door, but I definitely um, would be – I think the door would be more open to trade him right now. That's what I would be doing. If you were if you were in the, the power chair, would you be more likely to trade Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson if you're those two teams? Or would both of them be – would you trade them both? I would probably trade – well, first of all, look, you, in the NFL, you never want a player – uh, that does you don't want to ever keep a player that in both of these guys are high class dudes so you don't ever want to keep a player there that doesn't want to be there right and, and it's different Russell Wilson will show up on time right yeah he'll um, still come but, there yeah, yeah because I mean, because I don't I don't think that <laughs> there's there, I don't think there's the deep rooted issues with Seattle even though there's issues there the, the versus like Houston with Deshaun Watson and you know JJ Watt has issues had issues there or has issues there or had issues and Hopkins and all the other guys. Whereas when you got Watson, he ain't, he's talking about not even showing up. So therefore you can't even really feel the legitimate team, but I would probably trade both of them because um, one, the, the cap ramifications two the draft capital. And when you're well in, in Houston's case, you're starting over. So you got at least a, a season or two, unless you go like one and 15 that, that okay. or losing is okay. Now Seattle is different. I would trade. See, in Houston, I would trade for draft capital, the ability to draft potentially another franchise quarterback. With Seattle, which is a little bit better team because you got two legitimate receivers in Lockett and uh, Metcalf, and they got a pretty good tight end, and they always kind of have a running back that kind of comes out of nowhere. And you still got Bobby Wagner and guys on defense. You, you know what I mean? You got Adams and those guys, and they can still compete. I would trade for a more veteran quarterback, established quarterback. So then appealing would be like say. First would be the Raiders with Carr, right? You got, I mean, he had a great season last year, right? And and he played really well for him um, and could do some things. He's not Russell Wilson, but he can still win you a lot of games and showed you can win a lot of games and really played the, the second half of the season just as good as Russell Wilson and maybe even a little bit better with less talent because he only had really one tight end, you know, he had the tight end Whaler. So, um, but then if you're trading with Chicago, you know, with the Nick Foles, you know, he's, he's awful brittle. Is that really worth it? Uh, you definitely want to try to get a veteran or sign somebody, maybe like even somebody like a Jameis Winston, somebody that can bring some juice 
and you can still win and maybe sneak into the playoffs. So it's, it's two different things, but I definitely would jump on it right now because what people don't understand, right? The, the NFL is a copycat league. That Stafford trade for golf set off everybody. Like, oh, okay, this is something that never really happened before. Yeah, so we can do this now. <laughs> we can do this. Next year, nobody might never want to do it because it might not work out. Now, if it does work out, you're going to see it on a consistent basis. If it doesn't work out, then it's not going to happen anymore. So it's, uh, you know, you got to take advantage of it. And then, look, teams are out here willing to give up all this money. Your money, your, what I mean by money is like draft capital for a quarterback. Go take advantage of it. Somebody's coming to your door with like, you know, two first-round picks and, you know, you know, established NFL quarterback that's, you know, he might say he's not top 16. And, you know, Derek Carr, I think, is a top 16 quarterback. But say Jameis Winston that's not thought of as a top 16 quarterback maybe say top 20, considering that, you know, you did a year in, in New Orleans and learned a lot, you know, why not um, and do it and see, you know, it'd only be a year or two and the, the, the cost that you're going to be paying him, which is Jameis Winston I'm talking about, right. is a lot lower than what you'd be paying the quarterback that you have now. So, um, you know, I would definitely do it. I wouldn't, now I wouldn't be desperate to do it. And, and, no, but I'm, I'm not Houston, in a rush to do it. No. Right. If I, if I'm Houston, it's, it's, uh, you know, if it's 9 AM, I'm trying to have this deal done in, or the parameters of this deal done by noon. You know, yeah, right? I don't if understand I, if, the people saying that Houston should just wait and, you know, his no. value will still be high next year. And here's why. If I'm Houston, listen, it's over with this group. Anybody that was part of this group that got us success into the playoffs, what, as recently as, what, two years ago? Um, it's yeah. over with that group. So we need to go ahead and just expedite the rebuild. Like, I, I, I'm not I – I just don't understand the whole, like, yeah, just go ahead and hold on to him and kind of his value will still be if he wants to go ahead and hold out, make him. No, you still have yeah. to be able to find a way – to eventually make your team a contender. And I think the path to that now, unfortunately for them, is to basically completely reset and restart. And the first step to that is getting as much as you can back for Deshaun Watson because you're talking about a franchise guy who's not even – at his prime yet, like he's no, like, he's not. Yeah, he's not even. He's not even hit his his, his peak. And then you know they got a, a few bad contracts on on their on their you know roster as well. Like I would make it more appealing and say, hey, look, we'll trade you, um, uh, Ben Ben Nardrick, McKinley too, the middle linebacker. That's right, you know, right. Been, Try to back somebody else. Back. In. Right, and then you know then you get to cut him in a year, um, and then go from there. Essentially, you give him more. It's almost I wouldn't say it's like the Herschel Walker trade, but try to do something. Just don't trade Deshaun Watson. Here's a couple guys with flip what Arizona Cardinals did to us or did to Houston, and do it to somebody else, and then go from there. So, um, yeah, I would it, you know I would be doing it right away. And listen here, Deshaun Watson's not stupid. When you get a new GM and new coach in the NFL, unless it's like Bruce Arians coming in and they're really trying to win, right? It's it's not it's not fun. I've been through it, and it's not. And, and and he wants to win. I think he understands, yeah, it's good to throw for a whole bunch of yards. But he doesn't want to get beat up. He played – he had a superior – or a really superb year, and he needs to take advantage of it. He played above and beyond um, where he did with less this year. So that magnifies what he did, right? So, um, you know, you can't do that every year. You just get worn out. And so you, you want to make sure that you take advantage of the NFL – in uh, your situation as much as possible because it, it comes few and far between. It doesn't happen to every single player. It's mainly it was quarterbacks. I think J.J. Watt got it just because they did him a solid. But, 
other guys, you know, you got to wait and you got to wait, wait and wait and wait until they call and tell you you've been traded, cut, or they don't need you anymore. So uh, it's just an interesting situation. Yeah, absolutely. And that'll be something I think, like we said, will continue to be a topic of conversation and something that will have long reaching tentacles here. Uh, because like you said, NFL is a copycat league and we'll, we'll see how, if this kind of these quarterback trades kind of change the landscape, but right now I want to shift gears a little bit. It's not often that we get to talk about one of us kind of being in the news. And this is interesting to me for a lot of different reasons. Let's break that down. You, you have been in the news, sir. Um, oh, okay. Now it's interesting. Like I okay, so let me back up. You you and Jason Peter are volunteering with the Huskers, lending your time, and I'm going to let you explain exactly what that means because I I find to me what I when I, when I say it's interesting, like I knew that y'all were doing this. I I was not prepared for kind of the different reaction to this. And we're going to get to that in a second because I want to ask you specifically about a couple of things. But first of all, for the people that live under a rock and don't know, what is it that you and Jason are doing with the Nebraska football team right now? I mean, you know, to be honest with you, it's it's nothing specific. You know, we're we're down there on a volunteer basis. It's definitely part-time. And really what I'm doing, what I've been doing is trying to create a rapport with the kids and get to know them, right? Get to know what makes them tick, what they really want, support them, talk to them, like talk to them about other stuff besides football. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and trying to help them, you know, help with culture that has nothing to do with us individually, just what's successful, what could be portable in business and life and all the other stuff. So it's a lot of that. Um, and then also, you know, like with me trying to, you know, one of the things I want to try to do is like get the linebackers play with a little bit more edge, you know, and, and when you play with a little bit more edge, you, you that's where the leadership comes from. And, and understand that playing at Nebraska and what you're doing doesn't just stop when you get done playing because you set forth the foundation after you leave playing. And also try to get these guys to maximize their, their opportunity and time at Nebraska. That's on the field, off the field, in the classroom. Um, creating relationships that can help them, you know, long after they get done playing. Because every kid that comes to the University of Nebraska isn't going to be an All-American, isn't going to be all Big Ten, isn't going to be in the NFL. But that doesn't mean that you can't have a good time or a good, you know, experience at Nebraska. I've been on record and I said it, and this is, I'm saying it, and it's, the, and it's the truth, right? It is that Nebraska's fighting perception, which is, well, just when you talk, when you talk to everybody outside of the state of Nebraska, they think, "Oh, you're Nebraska is nothing but cornfields." And in general, do black, you know, I hear a lot. Do do black people live there? Right. 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 Now that's kind of a little bit ignorant because you know that's that's the you know look we are in 2021, but that's what people think, right? And that's what probably being sold out there. And you know, yeah, kids, the kids have left on a consistent basis, right? A lot of them African American. I've said that Nebraska needs to have. And this is, and I was saying this before I was even, you know, involved or even a, a maybe a candidate or whatever you want to say, is that they need to have more African Americans in a supportive role to show them not just what they can do athletically, just show what they can do just by you know being a part of the community, right? And so they can see people that have been successful, but then also be an on-site support system. You get what I'm saying? Like you know, yes, I'm 44 years old. I saw some article with it. I'm, I'm all right, I'm, I'm old now. Okay, well, the same things that I'm saying now in 2021 
It's the same things that I wasn't afforded to say or asked to say in 2010 or 11 or at 2009 when I guess I was 34 year old, 34 and just fresh out the league. The message doesn't change. Isn't going to change. Yes, college football's changed, but to be successful at the University of Nebraska in general on the field isn't going to change. Now, there's stuff that happens off the field that can curtail that. That's obviously staying out of trouble, staying focused, doing your schoolwork, being accountable. Having like there's a guy on the team, like, look, dude, I said, hey man, you made all the lists. And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, Well, you were you 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 know, you were, you know, two minutes late. You know, you you, you missed a couple assignments in class and you didn't you missed one of your meals. <laughs> okay. That's the, I said, you didn't hit the daily double. I mean, you hit the Thursday triple. No more. He's like, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Now that's a relationship that I've kind of already had, but you got to come and say, you know, it's not, Hey, you're, you're horrible. Quit. We don't want you here. It's, you know, you're better than that. You know what I'm saying? These kids are smart enough to know that. Right. Um, so that's what we're doing. I'm sure it might change or, you know, we might do more, might do less. I'm de- here. I'm going to tell you this. I'm not coaching. I'm not going in there evaluating X's and O's. I'm not going in there and evaluating Scott Frost. I'm not going in there evaluating any type of like, coaching staff, offensive schemes, defensive schemes, or anything like that. I've never been approached to do that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not here to step on um, – people always they probably just think linebackers just because I play – I'm not here to step on Bear Roots, Toes, Shenanders, or anybody like that. I'm not even willing to I'm, – I'm, that's not me. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm here – really, to be honest with you, this isn't about the coaches. This is about the university, right, the, the, in my experience that I had which led me to, have, you know, exceed any expectation I ever had when I came here in 1994 as an 18-year-old squeak, right? So this isn't about Scott. Yes, I know Scott. Scott's a friend. We played together. We're, we're You know what I'm saying? We're former teammates. But that's not what it's about. This is about the University of Nebraska. You get so what I'm saying? That's a, that's a good point for me to ask my next question because I think that one of the – the things that is funny, I saw a tweet from another former player um, this morning that was talking about I wouldn't know. I don't know how I would feel if, if like when we played, if some guys from the 70s came in to tell us how it was back when we played. I think that there is a common misconception, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know how common it is, or there is a misconception that what y'all are sure. doing is, is you going over there, standing over people, hollering, talking about this is what we did back in our day. No, it's, it has nothing to do with it. Really, this ain't about me, man. I've done everything that I could do physically, first of all, mentally, and all that. I don't. I don't want to play sports anymore. I don't need. I don't need to do this. All right, this is not something that I need to fulfill me. We've already. I've won three national championships. I've done everything I need to do. Right. So this isn't about what we did. What we did is no different than what Alabama's doing. Ohio State's doing little bit, say, like Northwestern is doing, which I'm, what I mean is, is doing, you know, hitting the, you know, four or five core principles of success it, it, to be a good football team. You know what I mean? I'm not standing over anybody. I don't need to do that. I don't need to, like, uh, uh, be an authoritative figure over, you know, kids that, you, you know, I mean, that's, that's not even close to uh, what, what we're doing. And it's the funny thing about it is, is that, you know, that's what people, that's the easiest thing to do. Oh, here's two guys that were successful in the 90s, and that's what they're talking about. You know, that's like an ignorant take. You know what I'm saying? That's, just, that's a short-sighted ignorant take. It really is. Because 
what we did in the night. Yes, we won three now. That's not going anywhere. Okay. So don't just, don't dummy it down. Right. Don't disrespect it, but look three national championships. Look how we were able to do something that maybe the 1992 Nebraska team or 93 wasn't able to do. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's in their own right. 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 That's, that's, that's and and like the scoring explosion with the eighties. Right. Let's not look what they did. Okay. They were extremely physical. Okay. They went above and beyond both individually and collectively. They probably, they, I'm assuming they held each other accountable. They were great teammates and they came every day to be the best they can be. And then they want, and they, and they wanted to win more than they wanted to, you know, they hated losing more than they, you know, like to win. And there's other things that they, that you got to do. That's not what, tell me a team right now. Here's what I would ask you. Show me five teams at professional or college that have won without being physical. Um, of course you got to have talent, you know, and of course, if you got, if you're extremely talented and that's one thing, but just, you know, you got to have talent that, you know, weren't like well-coached, well-conditioned, you know, really loved football, held each other accountable. That doesn't mean you got to like each other, right. Or be all kumbaya, right. right. Or, and, and then push each other to the maximum and then went above and beyond. And I'm talking about above and beyond in the weight room, the classroom, um, obviously in the film room and then on the practice field. Just show me, just show me five. And then I won't say anything. And you can't because football is not going to, yes, football has changed. The way they run plays is, is, is changed. But BYU is not winning a national championship. They can't control the line of scrimmage, right? right. And, and what you're doing is, is trying to get these kids to look here, man. We're, 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 we're here for as, as like, at, like advisor. You know, we're not adversaries. We're advisors, right? I don't even, I mean, you know, I, I don't understand, like, okay, well, well, what do you need? Do you, you want Indomitian Sue to retire and Lamavante David to retire just because they are higher accolades than me to come in here and volunteer at the University of Nebraska? Would that make you write a better article? Would that make you feel uh, better? Or would, or do you need somebody else to go in there because you want to say something negative or in a, a roundabout way about the University of Nebraska? I don't know. That sounds like personal problems to, that you have with, with people at the university then pick up the phone and deal with it. Yeah, I think that part of it, I, I think that part of that perception is, is that people see something like, some people, I don't want to say all, some people see something like this, what y'all are doing, and say, well, off the bat, well, why would a kid now care about what those dudes have to say? And what I, 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 what I actually would combat that with this is, I think that you're, you're underselling the kids and you're underselling the people that are volunteering. And I'm not just saying that because you're I'm talking to you about it. Uh, like, I mean it. Like, I think that I don't, I don't think that it's automatic that a kid will see somebody that was successful at their university, no matter what age they are and just brush them off. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think I, that I, you're I doing mean, them a disservice by saying that they would just automatically do that. Look, I, I, I can look when I got up there and I was up there for yeah, it really like people start texting me after I was like I introduced myself for five minutes. I said, look, man, I just went over what I did glossary. I said, look, this isn't about me. This is about you guys. I want the best for you guys. I want to help you guys reach reach all your your goals. Yeah, I'm here as, as much or as little as you need me. Use me as much as possible. It's not about me, man. And I remember being on campus and Johnny Rogers was on campus and he did the same thing. The same. I remember the conversation with him at, at you know, at the training table, he hadn't, he, it wasn't about him. 
his his face and all that stuff is all over the university at that time. Right. He won the Heisman. He, you know, he's all American. And you know what he said? He said, look, don't make the mistakes I made. Work as hard as you can. Be the best teammate. Keep your nose clean. Go to school. And everything else will be all right. You do that and those five years will be good for you. Don't do what I did. You know, now looking at you got to get into it. Now he wasn't there. Now he was around a lot. But, you know, like, okay, they're like the Ed Stewart. The uh, Roger Thomas talking, you know, doing that when he, he was around. You know, when they come back for two or three weeks in the summer. Detroit doing, I mean, all these dudes. Like, it's been done before. And, and here's the funny thing about it. Do you think the University of, of Alabama, oh, first of all, I know the University of Tennessee does. Okay, I know that for a fact because I know who does it. I'm, I know the University of Alabama does it all the time. Do you think Nick Saban only has, like, I know they had Kobe Brown and you talk like that. Those are special occasions, right? Do you right. think he doesn't have players that play big or small, like all Americans not around there? Right. That's what his team is made up of. Yes, you hear about the Derrick Henrys and all that other stuff, but who was the best leader on on, on University of Alabama this year? The center that blew out, blew out their ACL that's still going to probably be a first-round pick that transferred in, that was their leader this year. That was their leader. They have guys around there. I'm telling you, I mean – it, it's it's this isn't you think what do you think Ohio State did? okay here's here's a perfect example I, yeah, I played <laughs> right, listen I played with James Cotton right up in Buffalo linebacker from Ohio State played a couple years in Buffalo he works in the program do you think Ohio State has a problem with that yes they're winning and all the other stuff right, right? Jonathan Wells right wasn't a part of the national championship team played for played for Jim Trestle didn't win the national championship there you think he's around. The, the quarterback that was there, he's around the program. Eddie George helping. still comes around. Eddie, Eddie George. Now, granted, I didn't win the Heisman. I didn't win the Buckets and all that. But these guys, they have got – okay, uh, I think his name is Darren Fox, the safety. He's involved. Uh, Robbie Carpenter, uh, A.J. Hawks around. All these guys that are around these programs, it seems like anything that, that happens in Nebraska, you got to go, okay, well, anything that has to do with success in Nebraska, let's dummy it down and let's try to figure out and do it another way. And it has nothing to do with the offense, defense, or players. It's just the foundation, like the square box or whatever, the, the building blocks that you did to do it. It's almost like it's almost like some people that, you know, and, and I'm not saying that I'm the cure-all, okay? But if it, was, if it wasn't me, I would think there's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's got to be more positive. I mean, it would be nothing. It can't hurt, right? right. Especially, if you're play, especially if you're staying in your lane, which I'm more than willing to do. Okay, so that'd be like somebody taking over Amazon after Bezos leaves and is like, you know, we're just going to change the whole business model. We want to do it another way. Okay, well, he built it up this way. No, no, we want to do it another way. Everybody else has been doing it this way, right? Online shopping. But we're going to do it another way. How long do you think that's going to last? Not going to last that long. So, I mean, um, you know, and I get it. I understand. It's almost like, and I get it. If I was a kid and you're hearing about the last great team, you don't want to do it. Well, I mean, okay, well then have somebody come back from the Mike Riley area. And then you, they, they tell you how they won. They didn't. Cause you want to know what they didn't do. They weren't physical. They didn't practice hard. They didn't play hard. They didn't really care. They didn't go above and beyond. And they weren't good teammates. Majority of them, or, you know what I'm saying? Not yeah. always good guys on the team and all that, you know, there's still holdovers that played well. We'll give it just, but you understand. And they didn't hold each other accountable because you wouldn't have guys skipping out on practice, skipping out on workouts if they held each other accountable. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't that important to them. That's all we're trying to do. I mean, it's really – But I I don't think that's a – 
And it's funny, as you lay it out kind of about what other teams are doing, it's, it, it made me think of something. That usually, these sorts of things, whether it's here or elsewhere, are usually seen as a sign of a, of a healthy overall program that the right. older guys, like, and not necessarily, like, you know what I mean, like the guys that have been yeah. are guys that are, they're still willing to come back and give back to the university. Like, because was it, was it, Bo, early in Bo, if I'm not mistaken, that people would complain that he didn't have former guys coming back and he didn't have enough of an open door policy. Right. Um, and I know he that only, was and the he, case in right, Callahan. He, like, right. Well, Callahan, you couldn't come. Right. Bo, out here, I'm going to say this about Bo. When I, when I first retired, um, Bo, I called Bo, and uh, is what I was thinking about coaching. He did call me back. But then a couple as the stuff I think as criticism about him started to grow, there was a perception that he only wanted the guys back that were his guys that played for him. Now that's just both really you know personality. Yeah, the I mean, guys that have been part of his personality. Yeah. yeah, and 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 they tried to dis you know he tried to change the black shirt and all that, and I get it, you know what I mean. Um, but you know, yeah, that was a, that was their perception, and then Mike Riley didn't care. You know, I mean, he, his thing was like, come on, come all, let's have a little like, you know, let's have some, you know a little kumbaya and the last thing we're going to do is think about, you know, winning football games, you know what I'm saying? And, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird, but you know, I think the brat, look, I would say this, this has been 20 years in the making set forth by 10 years of a conscious effort. This is just my opinion of a conscious effort of people trying to knock down how Nebraska was successful for 30 years. And then conversely, it, it, it turned into 20 years because when you took those 10 years, and this might be an over-exaggeration of 10 years, but if you took that big chunk of time and knocked it down, that's when the college landscape changed. Right. And that's when, we, that's when we weren't – yeah, it was a perfect storm. So that 10 years turned into 20, and now that's how a year goes, say, from 2011 to 2021, or 2001 to – you know, when we were in 2001 to 2021, that's 20 years, and that's where you're at. It's, it's – uh, and I can say all this, right, with with being brutally honest, like Nebraska should have won maybe six to eight more games over – I could argue that they should have won six to eight more games over the last three years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would, so, definitely, I would definitely say that. I'm not, I'm not coming in here with my head in the sand. And like I said, I'm doing it for the University of Nebraska. Yeah, I know Scott. I know guys on the coaching staff that i you know been knowing for a long time. I got a lot of respect for those guys that coach, right? Um and I, you know, like I know Barrett, you know, I know, I know the type of dude he is, you know, I know he wants to do right. You know what I, you know, I, I, like I said, I'd be very surprised if they're going up there just, you know, trying to collect the check. They, I mean, they got, they got pride and egos. They got families. They got to feed. They know the pressure's on, you know, if they ask me, they need some help. Why do, why wouldn't I, you know what I'm saying? I, I got a healthy respect for the university of Nebraska. This so happens that I got, yeah, I know that some of these guys, you know what I mean? Um, now, you know, if, you know, I guess if Bo would ask, why wouldn't I go do it? You know, if, if Mike Riley would ask, why wouldn't I go do it? You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't understand. I, I mean, I guess maybe I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I didn't, I didn't really think it was a, a big deal. Right. I really didn't. So you didn't think, uh, you didn't think that it would like, and I don't even want to say it's turned into a big thing. Like it's just in part is like just the nature of the beast around here. Um, yeah. But yeah, so you were you were caught off guard by the reaction to it. Well, I didn't really, I don't, I don't really, you know, do the whole internet thing, right? And I really don't, uh, 
worry about it. I mean, yeah. And so I may, I wouldn't say caught off guard. I just really didn't. Th- First of all, I didn't really think it would be that public, but I guess, you know, it's a you know, slow time of year. I, I, I mean, I guess the reaction, you know, I, I mean, I guess, look, anytime you do anything in this world, it's going to be negative. Right. You know, um, and that's fine. There's going to be negative, like, you know, connection to it. Um, so I guess I, I you know, you know, look, I think the same people that have been, you know, got an issue with it, say like former players or whatever, people that like, they probably always had a problem with the university and, and some of them might be rightfully right, but that doesn't have anything to do with Jay Foreman. And if it does, I'm not hard to find. I'm really not. And if you got a problem, we can problem solve. We can talk about it. And then we can, you know, we either come to a conclusion or just say, hey, look, dude, we, you know, uh, you know, we can agree to disagree. You know what I'm saying? I just think it's weird that, you know, like, like people that, you know, that have, don't have association with, I mean, they got association with the program, but every, at every turn, you got something to say. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like why? Well, like, okay. Cause then, then, uh, then it's like, then like, why don't you just, you know, what's, what's the, why don't you just say what the real deal is? Because Johnny Rogers was around when I was around, you know what I'm saying? And maybe we were raised different, you know, but I don't really think that I don't look, man, I can tell you like this. If I'm too old for you to listen to what made, I guess, me successful or to try to help you be successful, then how are you ever going to be coached? Right. Right. Then what are you? Yeah, right. I'm with you. And then, so then how are you looking at Barrett or Mike Dawson or Chenander? Like if that, like, you know what I mean? And you have a complete problem with authority and being coach. Right. I'm with you. Right. Then how, but then, okay. If you got, then how are you ever going to be successful? Right. At anything. Yeah. You could sit out there. I can tell you, like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to get in front of the team for 30 minutes and go, oh, this is how I came from Minnesota. Man, I ain't got time for that, man. I really don't. You know, this is all about the players, all about the university, and I want the best for those dudes. Bottom line, straight up, no, 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 you know, straight to you, no chaser, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I just find it weird, you know, and, and yeah, you know, like, you know, heck, when I was in the pros, you know, guys, you know, when we used to do, they used to do the skits about, you know, you know, off the field issues. Did I want to hear it? No, but I always showed respect and did it because you just never know when something that you might see or hear can help you down the road, you know, or I guess I was raised never to disrespect a, you know, an adult or, you know, pay attention or, I mean, heck, Sheriff Alberts came back and talked to us. This dude just, I mean, he just got drafted number five in the draft. Like, why would I not listen to him? Or when Roger Thomas, you know, came to Houston, you know, to the facility and wanted to, you know, forge a relationship with me. Somebody I ain't never even had a, you know, run it, you're not a run in, but just, you know, a relationship with prior time. It's a Nebraska connection. There's a big gap there, right? He talked about what he did successful, what he's seen other people do unsuccessfully, including himself. Don't do this. This is where you, you know what I'm saying? Right. And that's as a professional. I'm at the height of my career. That'd be, why would I turn my nose up at Broderick Thomas? You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, that just is, I mean, I guess, you know, and I guess, you know, when they had that video with Cam Newton, that's the whole thing. And, and uh, but even, I mean, but at this point in time, you got people tweeting that these are grown men, man. I know at least a couple of years older than me. Right. You right. I mean, that's yeah, that, right? the difference. In okay. Some of the... So, okay. So w- w- would you be feeling the same if they asked you to go do it? If, if, if they asked you to go do it? You know what I mean? Right. 
You know, right, I, but like I said, people, would those people have turned it down to them right. because oh, I'm too old? Like, would they have said that? No, I got, yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, I mean, what what is the age age number not to be too old for somebody that say you know what, what what do you need to hear? Well, who's going to tell them? Because it's almost like I remember this. Like when my dad would tell me something, I would never listen. You know who had to kind of tell me some stuff to get my ear? Same thing that my dad would be my uncle. Right. I had to say, that's funny. I had the same thing. <laughs> you know, so I'm, my uncle is, you know, he's older than my dad, but is it somebody different? Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, look, everybody's going to look. It, I, the one thing I always can remember that Bruce Smith used to always say, it's either you're part of the problem or you're part of the solution. Or you're, yeah, you're either part of the problem or part of the, part of the solution. All I want to do is to be part of the solution, big or small. I don't ever think it's going to be that big. Um, I really didn't think that, you know, it's gonna this would be a big deal. Maybe I just didn't, you know, understand. You know, maybe I was just – maybe at that maybe with that I had my head in the sand because I was just like, okay, well, let me just get in here and just try to, you know, be consistent. You know what I'm saying? Um and I felt, you know, really, to be honest with you, one thing I've learned, I think the time is right for this because they had such a lack of leadership, such a, you know, you had the, you know, I call them turncoats where they're in there and they're dressing up like they want to, like they're a part of the program, but really we're just kind of biding their time and faking it. Right. And it might take that time to get it, you know, get those guys out of the you know program. And that's just part of the deal. Um, and on the surface from me being a former player and just watching on Saturdays and not going to practice. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't know those things, and I'm just evaluating what I we talked about. I just worry about what I see on Saturday. I don't right, right. That's the like, bottom line. What I see. That's on the Saturday. bottom line, right? <laughs> but then you get in there and you realize, like some of the stuff, then you you start seeing some, you know, you know, hearing the stories from the players of guys. Why you understand why it t- it's taking them a while to have a true unity council? Why when they talk about lack of leadership and culture, it's not just an overdate night thing, right? Because a lot of times it's here's what people need to understand. A lot of times you when you have quick turnarounds, like say like the NFL, right? when you have a quick turnaround, the foundation and the players have already been there. You just need it like a different voice. Like when, when John Gruden took over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he just had a little bit different, maybe from an offensive standpoint that accentuated what they, what, what Tony Dungy had built up over however many years he's been down there. Right. You get what I'm saying? Um, not necessarily, but Tony Dungy, went, not necessarily that he was a better coach, but just a little bit different voice, a little bit better offensive scheme. Uh, because Tampa was so 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 heavy, right? Um, I, I I really find it funny that I'm assuming Ray Lewis is about my age, right? Now I'm not comparing myself to Ray Lewis. Um, at the I know for a fact it doesn't happen at the University of Miami. I know that, right? And and they've been probably on the same level as Nebraska as far as being out of the picture. I wonder if if if, if Ray Lewis or hey Ed Reed. Ed Reed Right, Ed Reed's in, in an administrative role. Same type of same type of deal. And he does actually a lot more coaching. I guarantee he doesn't hear any of that because they know he's there for the program. He don't even. I mean, he cares who the head coach is, but Ed Reed's thinking about I'm going to be there for the program. You know, so it's just a you know just you know pettiness and childish and I don't know. You know, it's, it seems like it's always something, man. It's always a, 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 a you know an issue of if you're trying to help out, you know, as much as possible. And this is my first go around to go and trying to do anything like that. I've never been around the program that much. Um, and so, you know, it's, you know, it's pretty interesting. So, you know, I'm learning as much as they're learning about me. And so, um, you know, as far as I know, it's been pretty positive. 
Yeah, and I think that, listen, and I think that that's the bottom line and where I want to leave it is that, like, you know, no matter what people are saying, whether it's fans, former players, media members, whoever, like, good, bad, or indifferent, like, ultimately, what people are saying on the outside doesn't actually matter. It's what's happening when you're there or when, like, more importantly, if you're not there, like, are they continuing those lessons that you've given or those tips or whatever? Yeah. Um, that's the most important thing. Like, and you know that, like, that. I mean – all the rest of it is noise. Um, that's what players and coaches will always tell you. And so, yeah. like, and, and that's the thing. Like, so you just have to kind of keep it pushing and see. But I definitely appreciate you giving the thoughts on it because it, it's been just this to see it all kind of unfold and see, like, people's reaction to it, to me, has made it more of a thing than it needed to be, I think, is, I guess, the best way to say it. Right, yeah. I mean, it, sh- it shouldn't be this, this big a, de- a deal, but, you know, that's the way people love to jump in there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but. Now, now, listen, we uh, we end the show every week with our favorite segment called Put Them on Blast, uh, where we basically put somebody on blast for something that they did or said. Put them on blast. Um, today, I'm going with the entire, like, basically the entire NBA. So it's fans with the fan vote, even though the fan vote would, would have been more difficult to get this man into a starting spot. Uh, coaches, whoever, like, voting on, the you know, the subs uh, for the All-Star game. We got to put them on blast because Jacob Padilla, my, my co-worker here at Hill Farsi, his boy Devin Booker got left off the initial All-Star team, even got my man LeBron to go ahead and weigh in and say that Devin Booker is the most disrespected player in our league. It's as simple as that. Um, because during the 2020-2021 season, Booker has put up 24 points, four assists, three rebounds while shooting 38% from three. And I think he's actually shooting 50%. Uh, just from the field overall, which is the highest of his career, and they're winning more games. Remember, the whole thing on Devin Booker, and I'm a person that said this too, is listen, the West is tough. Like, getting into that all-star game in the West is tough. You putting up these numbers, they're empty numbers, your team stinks, go win some games. They won games, right? I think they have the fourth best record in, in the league. And so he gets snubbed. Now, I should say on front, like he is, he got in because Anthony Davis is hurt. So he got in as an alternate, but he should have been in the game. Um, I got to put all of them on blast because they keeping Devin Booker down. Um, I can't believe I'm going to bat for a Suns player. Uh, but it's crazy that to me that people continue to sleep on him. And maybe they just need to get more national televised games. But like Devin Booker is the real deal, man. That dude can play. Yeah, he can, I mean, you know what's funny is he came into the league and has got, you know, better every year. Better as a and, pro, you know, yeah. As a pro. And, you know, you can see a lot of that that's going to happen when you have, like, five, you know, first-round picks at the University of Kentucky. But, you know, when Kobe Bryant was alive, he uh, he saw something in Devin Booker and kind of mentored him. You know, funny that we're talking about this, but, you know, mentored him to be right. even a better player. Um, and it's hard not to – you know, it's hard, you know – for a guy like that to make it because the depth is so uh, deep in the West. Um, but he is, he, he's played so well this year to the guys that played against him. They, they probably felt it like it was a shoe in. So he made it and that's the most important thing. But, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, it's going to be another guy next year. It might be him. Um, and then, you know, when you're thinking, uh, you know, beyond this year, you know, you're thinking, you know, that granted he's early in his career, but what do you think about trying to make the hall of fame? You know, all star games and all star ballots count. Um, and you right, know, he's the guy look at that stuff right away. Yeah, and this is just yeah, a you look at people look at. 
Yeah. And so it's things that it's bigger than just this year. And that's why, you know, everybody talks about the process and everybody can't make it right. Every team should, you know, you know, has it, but you got to make sure that you get it right because if he continues along this path and if Phoenix continues along this path, they, they're going to, you know, be a contender here in a few years. So, um, you know, I'm happy he finally made it, but, um, you know, it just, it, the, the, how he made it probably isn't the best thing for him, but I think it's one of those things. Uh, he made it this year. People's eyes are open to Devin Booker. So hopefully he's going to get the benefit of doubt. Um, kind of like Chris Paul, his teammate did this year, even though Chris Paul has played, he plays well every year and he's a great leader. Um, but I think he may probably got the benefit of the doubt over Devin Booker this year. Uh, when you look at those two and you look at their two, two seasons and they're both all-stars, but Devin Booker has been special this year. Chris Paul has been Chris Paul, which you can't dummy down, but Devin Booker has been special. Yeah. And I also think, you know, Devin Booker also, his situation reminds me so much of Bradley Beal. Um, yes. And Brad Beal basically got to the point though, where you just can't deny how good he is. Um, and they've actually been playing better. Um, but you, you can't deny like, Brad Bill is pro- maybe the – I mean, they're in conversation, both of them, for the best two-guard in the league. Um, yeah. And so it's just, it's just tough, though, um, but sometimes for guys to get over their, that hump when their teams have been doing so poorly. But I think that that's, that's changing for Booker. Um, and it's good for him that, that people are, are recognizing uh, his greatness. So who you, who you got to put on blast? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on blast, not, not my Houston Texans, but the other team. It seems like we could put them on blast almost like, monthly or weekly is the Houston Rockets because, um, you know, obviously they had the James Harden fiasco then they got Victor Oladipo. You traded for a guy that you know that wouldn't be around more than this year. So you purged your roster for James, James Harden. And you had to have known that he wasn't happy, you know, the, the year that, you know, they didn't, you know, obviously succeed in the playoffs and in the bubble that he wanted to get traded. You just don't wake up on a Monday and say, Hey, I want to be traded. And I just turned down $50 million. But then you went and get Victor Oladipo, who's an all-star quality player coming off a pretty gruesome, you know, leg injury. And they only can offer him, I think, two years and $45 million, and he turned it down. So now that lets you know, come summertime or after the season of the NBA, that he is gone and you didn't really get anything in, in back for him, from him. Because once he's gone, uh, all you guys like P.J. Tucker, uh, and that's about it, and not a lot of draft capital. So I'm putting the Houston Rockets management um, – who was, you know, the owners, Dennis, I think, Ferretta, who's a, you know, big uh, restaurant and hotel. Yeah, the restaurant guy, he's having issues with those restaurants, obviously. But he was actually, but that started before COVID, right? Like, he was, like, borderline bankruptcy uh, before then. I forget which group of restaurants he owns, um, but they were basically going the wrong way. And so his money wasn't right. And, yeah, it's been a whole situation down there. Yeah, but he's he's excellent in in, – you know, customer service and, and, and building businesses and stuff like that. But, you know, you should, you should know, um, you know, once you purge that roster and, and got, rid of, got rid of Capella, that you had to make sure James Harden was 99% sure that he was going to sign that extension. It's kind of like Milwaukee did with Giannis. You're not going to go trade for those guys in the offseason without almost a guarantee, um, whether it's a handshake or it's a handshake with the, you know, you cut your palm and blood back in the day. You got to make sure that, the, that, he, that your superstar is going to be back. Because if you, if you don't, like in Houston situation, you end up essentially, you know, trying to gamble and then you crap out 
And next thing you know, now you're now you go from a franchise that was always a contender with the MVP candidate that had, you know, you know, was able to run ramp shot over the, the, the personnel decisions, the coaching decisions. And now you have no foundation and you're just pretty much your roster is purged with no up and coming superstar. Because in the NBA, you not only need one player, you need two uh, players in the in, but actually you need three because you can't count like, say, like the Lakers that want it, that they only have two. LeBron and AD is like three and a quarter players, two of the top five players in the league. You need, you know, a really, really good player, dominant player. You need a, you know, a, a B player and a C plus player to be able to be in title contention. And right now the Rockets at the end of this year, uh, if everything goes the way it goes, uh, they won't have any of those. And so they're now they're being bottom feeders in one of the biggest markets with the one of the best fan bases as far as the NBA goes without a, you know, a good product to put out there on the court. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. He, uh, Bertita owns the Landry's restaurant group and the Golden Nugget Hotel and Casino. So Morton Steakhouse, Rainforest Cafe, Bubba Gump, Shrimp, McCormick's, and Schmidt Seafood. So some nice places that you probably eat right. now before. Uh, but they have also, but they've taken a hit um, over the last few years. So that actually, it is, it is a whole link to that stuff taking a hit and him basically needing to get rid of James Harden's contract and some of those other guys. Um, that have gone as well. He, that, so when the business started mixing um, with his basketball team, and then it kind of like he – it's just been a, a weird situation down there in Houston. And you're right about the fan base and the city, like because that city is one that definitely comes out and shows out for their sports, but they're having a rough go at it right now. Right. I mean, there's not anything in Houston uh, besides the Astros. And the Astros are, you know, still a good legitimate team, maybe not a title contender team, uh, but, you know, they had the whole, you know, trash can thing. And so they have kind of taken, you know, a hit. Houston Texans won't be a viable team, and they've been a playoff team. You got to think all three of those teams, you know, the three major sports have all been, you know, were title contenders, at, you know, yeah, talked we, about as title yeah, contenders man. recently yeah. as two years ago. The city of Houston, and sports-wise, has been turned upside down uh, like no other. Uh, and – you know, they had, you know, I remember when getting there, they kind of, you know, were getting over losing the Oilers, obviously, to Tennessee. Uh, but now it seems like, man, they're going over it again. So uh, hopefully they can start to turn it around here in the next couple of years. But they are having a rough go at it, um, uh, along with all the different, you know, weather situations down there and dealing with snow and power outages. Uh, the city of Houston, got a, they got to hang tight. To, to put an exclamation point on the misery of Houston, uh, yesterday the Rockets missed 25 straight threes. It's hard to hit those threes and James Harden not around anymore. According to Elias Sports, it's the second time in the last 20 seasons that a team has missed 25 straight threes in a game. Uh that's, that's some ineptitude right there. Uh, but that'll do it for us this week. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast everywhere you can listen to them. Rate us, review us, and leave us a five-star review. If you leave us four, I am inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure that you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, more to it, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. Plus, make sure you're checking out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. I'll be doing another recruiting video of the week uh, later on today that'll go live. We also have an email now, uh, the straight up break that straight up breakdown at hailvarsity.com. And you can catch us on Twitter at Greg Smith HB and at Foreman5644. We will catch you next time. A Huda Media Production.